You know, there's still a lot to be concerned about this year, but it's not all bad news. Google actually published a study in April of this year that said there was a 900% increase in search query for, is it a good time to buy a car? So a lot of people are on the sidelines, but they're still thinking about it. Hi, this is Peter Stork, and you're listening to Unscheduled Maintenance. It's been an interesting few months to kick off 2020, to say the least. And it's a little crazy to think we are pretty much halfway through the year. I know many of us have been forced to put our heads down and power through what's directly in front of us, robbing us of the proper time to contemplate all that lies ahead in the second half of this year. So that is exactly what we're going to do today. My guest today is my colleague, David Green, Senior Marketing Data Strategist for Cars. David's based out of Santa Monica, California, and has previously worked at J.D. Power and Edmonds. Now, while his career path started in communications, he soon found out he preferred to have data do the talking. He sought out independent accreditations in hypothesis testing, regression analysis, and SQL, and has spent most of the past decade developing powerful insights for both cars as well as our dealer partners. David, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Peter. Happy to be here. Absolutely. I'd like to start at the beginning of your journey in the automotive marketplace because you jumped in at a crazy time. You got your start as an industry analyst right as the 2008 financial crisis was starting to kind of turn around. What do you remember most from that period? You know, that was a real wild time. Back in 2008, I just started in the uh, industry analytics world and everything was good. It was the summer of 2008. It was a little bit crazy because gas prices at that point had been climbing for a couple of years at that point, And it was starting to hit a fever pitch. And that summer, uh, I mean, the thing I remember most is what was happening to truck sales, which mostly impacted the domestic automakers. Because gas prices were hitting a national average, I think around $4 a gallon at that point, people were panicking. It was nuts. People were trading in their full-size Suburbans for compact cars. Uh, and that was just like a panic over the gas prices. In fact, I, I do remember one particular dealer in this area was offering buy one, get one free on the Dodge Dakota pickup. It was madness. Back then, uh, that was the summer of 08. And that fall is when the Lehman Brothers crash happened, which kicked off the credit crisis and the recession. From that point, it was just a roller coaster. Uh, nobody could get credit, so nobody could finance a car. You couldn't get approved on a lease or a loan. Uh, so with credit drying up, auto sales just plummeted. Plus, of course, uh, you know, terrible time for the job market. People didn't have money to buy a car, even if they wanted to. And so over the next four years, uh, the dip in new auto sales was tremendous. It, it was about a year's worth of auto sales that just simply never happened, which is tremendous. And that had a ripple effect all the way until now, basically. Uh, because if you think about it, during that time, an entire year's worth of new sales basically never happened, which means a lot of used inventory didn't hit the market uh, over the next three to eight years, uh, which also means that there's been sort of inflated prices in the used market since then. I, I would I would argue that this year or maybe 2019 was the first time we were really starting to see a normalized used market again. Uh, of course, that's all out the window now. <laughs> it is a question we keep turning to in this program, but I think it's a hugely relevant one that deserves really to be attacked from all angles. What parallels do you see between the marketplace as it kind of entered and came out of that 2008 dip 
and what we're seeing now. You know, it's it's interesting because things were so different back then. Uh, you had the credit crisis. You had the domestic automakers, GM and Chrysler, going through bankruptcy, Ford on the edge of bankruptcy. You had, shortly after that, Toyota's unintended acceleration crisis and the tsunami in Japan, creating these huge shortages in inventory. Lots of very different crises from what we're seeing now. And today, credit is widely available. Uh, the internet has taken over where that wasn't necessarily as possible back then. Uh, so now people are largely able to work from home. People are able to get credit and dealerships are able to engage with their customers online and over the phone. And so, you know, a number of states uh, prevented auto sales, uh, about half a states for at least some amount of time, but then started allowing online sales. And uh, that has helped the market in quite a few ways. Plus, the automakers have actually had the funding to put down incentives and help people with financing uh, to keep the auto sales moving. So that has been tremendous difference. Uh, additionally, gas prices are low right now, uh, incredibly low, lowest we've seen in a while. So people aren't necessarily afraid of buying the larger vehicles that they actually want instead of the uh, small cars they can afford. And uh, in addition to that, we're, we're also seeing that you know, vehicles are just the richness of product and content in the vehicles is there in a way that it just wasn't 10 years ago. So uh, larger vehicles are getting great mileage. They have, they're just loaded with features. Uh, the quality is there. And we're seeing that from all automakers. So there's a great product story there. Excellent. And we've been talking so far about the past, but we promised that we would look into the future. So at this point, let's grab the crystal ball and gaze inside. As a longtime student of the industry, what are you hearing out there as far as current conditions and, and trends that are driving for the second half of 2020? You know, <laughs> uh, my crystal ball is a little cloudy right now. I think everyone's is. So <laughs> I, I think that's I think it's fair. Yeah. If you look at all the uh, all the forecasts that various uh, investment groups and uh, automotive groups have published uh, in the past few weeks, the range of forecasts for new auto sales this year is really wide. It's, it's the widest I've ever seen. In general, most forecasts are coming in somewhere between 12 and 15 million. And that is a very wide degree because usually forecasters agree on something a lot closer. Uh, in part, that's because uh, of the range of scenarios that people are running from the optimistic to the pessimistic. You can't really rely on historical data because the pandemic has just been a rule breaker. January and February of this year were among the top January and February in the history of auto sales, uh, whereas March and April combined were at the bottom. So it, it's really hard to see where things are going from here. But as of today, things are starting to look optimistic. There's some silver linings out there. So do I think that uh, the sky is falling? No. Are there some challenges? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the job market is, of course, a big concern. And will the economy hold up? We don't have any Olympics this year. Uh, we do have an election. It was a census year, which is typically a big job creator. But think as many boots were on the ground this year as in past census years, uh, simply due to the pandemic. Uh, so there's some issues like that that are happening at the, at the macro level. And then within the auto business, there's a giant question mark around used inventory, uh, because that is a huge piece of the auto business. There were certainly a lot of uh, headlines in the news over the past month or two uh, about a pending uh, potential price collapse of the used vehicle market. There was a lot of concern there and it's starting to look like maybe that's not such a big concern. The, the feared surplus of uh, used vehicles from a higher number of lease returns than the market could absorb. Well, maybe that won't be as big a deal as we had feared. Uh, remember every lease return 
for the most part, will represent another vehicle buyer. So that could mean more lease buyouts. That could mean more new vehicle sales. But we're also seeing a big shortage in the used market. And these lease returns can definitely help replenish that. As well as uh, downsizing of rental car fleets, which there's there's been no air travel. So rental car agencies are definitely hurting. And uh, certainly the, the Hertz bankruptcy has got everyone concerned about a, a big surge of you know lease vehicles hitting the uh, used market. But as it turns out, the numbers we're seeing on cars.com are showing that used inventory is down about 30% from March. So dealers are really hungry for inventory simply to have the cars that people are shopping for. And buyers are certainly having a hard time finding the vehicles they're shopping for. So, so maybe some decent trade-in deals if people do want to jump on some of that new inventory that's out there. Absolutely. Uh, It seems like uh, if you had tried to trade in a vehicle a month ago, it would have been hard for a dealer to uh, give a very good trade-in price because there was so much volatility and they didn't want to give more than they could resell the vehicle for. But now that there seems to be a real use shortage, it seems like the market is returning to a fair normal. has changed over the past several months, and it's becoming clear there is no longer a distinction between dealers' physical and digital showrooms. The retailers who could best create seamless experiences between the home, the driveway, and the physical lot will be the ones who win the second half of 2020. Cars is here to help with a new digital car selling guide that provides actionable insights on how you can navigate car selling in the post-COVID world. Visit growwithcars.com today to access this free resource and talk with your cars rep today about how we can help. Drilling down to some specific vehicle categories, are there any indications so far who some of the winners and losers might be in the second half of the year? That's always hard to predict because people want what they want. And the trend for several years has been towards SUVs and trucks. Right now, uh, inventory of trucks is incredibly low. And that, of course, affects domestic automakers the most because they build the most trucks. Uh, Truck inventory is down about 45% on the new side and about 35% on the used side since March. In part, that's because factories have been shut down. They, They can't build more trucks. And also the heavy incentivizing that the automakers have done has done a great job at selling trucks, but without resupply coming, you know, that's that's going to be an issue. Uh, you know, one of the interesting segments that uh, seems to still have pretty good inventory is actually wagons. So a lot of crossover shoppers that uh, are having a hard time finding the vehicle they want, if they need to start reaching for alternatives, uh, a wagon might be a great option. Good. We'll keep... Uh... We'll keep an eye on that as we move into the second half of this year. And uh, we we also talked earlier about how data drives a lot of this. We don't want to just, you know, randomly speculate, but to kind of look at what we we see. And that's a, a lot of what you do. And, and I want to uh, shift a little bit past, you know, forecasting into discussing one of the products of that data, and that's attribution. Because that's one of those words that I think a lot of people out there might understand, but some people might hear it and be like, what exactly are you talking about? And, and as far as I understand it, um, attribution with, within auto is figuring out kind of where the buyer came from, what's responsible for driving the purchase. Essentially, if we can use the language of today, kind of contact tracing how 
the the consumer got from point A to point B, which is, is the sale. Is that kind of an accurate look at what it is? You know, I have a love-hate relationship with the term attribution. I, you described it beautifully. In my head, I, I simplify it down to putting credit where credit is due. Uh, so attribution is going to be based to who you are. If you are an automotive publishing site, then you want your customers, uh, advertisers, to understand the value you're delivering. If you are a dealership, then you want to understand whether you're getting the value that you're paying for in your ad campaigns and programs. So in terms of attribution, there's many tactics, many, many tactics. You know, for uh, cars.com, we have a number of metrics that we provide for our customers to let them know how they're getting value for the advertising. One of our key ones is simply walk-ins, uh, how many people walked into a dealership. And, and we can do that through location tracking. And that it's an incredibly valuable metric, but in the time of a pandemic, nobody's really walking into a dealership. So <laughs> there's there's other tactics, and we've seen a gigantic shift towards more digital activities that don't involve walking to a dealership. Uh, so this is contacting the dealer through email or through chat uh, right there through our platform. So that has been a, a tremendous way to actually improve the value that is getting delivered. Yeah, it seems like it would make it a lot easier now as so many more dealers go towards, hey, you know, hit us up on the site, look at the inventory. We're going to drop the test drive off in your driveway and come back in a couple of hours. It's obviously a lot of work for the dealer, but it also puts them in the home, somewhat literally, of the buyer to an extent that it makes it very easy to track where they, where they came from and, and kind of control that along the way. Absolutely. It's actually a much stronger relationship. And in this time right now, it's absolutely what the customer needs. And so it's just a perfect fit of everything coming together. So we've talked a little bit about data from the consumer side to start and like what we're looking at moving into the last half of this year and, and attribution, how we kind of marry what they're looking for into what the dealer sees at the end. But as far as, as as how dealers should approach the rest of this year, do you have any general thoughts or, or advice how they should approach the rest of 2020? You know, there's still a lot to be concerned about this year, but it's not all bad news. Uh, Google actually published a study in April of this year that said there was a 900% increase in search query for, is it a good time to buy a car? So a lot of people are on the sidelines, but they're still thinking about it. So dealers can do a lot with this. Uh, first off, let's focus on the service business for just a second here. People still need their car serviced. That isn't going to change regardless of whether they buy or not. And in fact, if people are keeping their cars longer, they're more likely to need service. Uh, so this is a great opportunity for dealers to retain some revenue. We saw back during the recession that this is exactly what happened 10 years ago. And when people were keeping their cars longer, they were servicing more. And that's what kept the lights on for a lot of dealers. And so in terms of what service looks like during the time of a pandemic and afterward, that might mean the service model needs to adapt uh, to retain some of that revenue or even to increase that revenue. One thing to definitely consider is, you know, offer to either pick up the vehicles at customers' homes or do the service in the driveway uh, when that's a possibility as well. However, I, I would definitely caution dealers uh, to be careful about doing that because once you offer that, you can't take it back. Uh, there, there's no sticking that genie back in the bottle. So uh, that would be a tremendous ad value and definitely uh, creates a lot of new opportunities for dealers, not only to maintain some service revenue, but start thinking about evaluating the vehicle for other items. Uh, how are the tires and brakes looking? Great upsells. And then is it time to trade this thing in? Can we 
just offer the customer a trade-in value for a vehicle that maybe they hadn't expressed an interest in trading in yet, but it could be on their mind anyways. So there's still a lot of opportunity out there. You called it a tremendous ad value ADD. I'm thinking it's also a tremendous ad value AD because if I'm on my way home and I see that the uh, the local car dealer is on my street servicing my neighbor's car in their driveway, that's a pretty good advertisement for their services too. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely right. Uh, the neighbors may even come up and ask him about it. The last few months have been a whirlwind of change. And while we all hope that things just settle down and we can all return to some sense of normalcy, we can all benefit from taking at least just a moment to analyze what we're seeing now and thinking about how that should impact the decisions we'll make in the near future. The insight of experts like David is so valuable, but the experience to compare what we've seen in previous economic speed bumps to what is going on right now and not just assume that everything will just take the exact same path. So learn from history, but also understand how data is showing us that today is different as well. I'm Peter Stork. Thanks again for listening and tune in next week for another new episode of Unscheduled Maintenance.